now let's begin. Well, hello, fellow podcast listeners, and welcome to Trek 1701, a Star Trek podcast. My name is Chris Lockhart. I am the host this evening, and I'm joined uh, by a number of people. But first up, I'll introduce uh, one of my regular co-hosts, Ragnar. How's it going, Ragnar? Well, uh, hello, everyone. It's going quite well. So typically, um, the, I'm calling this the beta crew, because Ragnar and I... Uh, do a, a Trek 1701 podcast with, uh, typically with Curtis and, uh, Richard. But, uh, unfortunately like this year, we've, we've had a hard time getting our schedules to line up in order to have Star <laughs> Trek episodes. So with their blessing, Ragnar and I are doing Trek 1701 episodes, uh, without them, uh, with others that we call the beta crew. Um, so joining us on uh, this first episode of the Beta Crew, uh, first up we have Ray. How's it going, Ray? Hello. Uh, it's going well. Thank you for the invite. Well, thank you for joining us. And uh, you're a friend of Ragnar's. Uh, did we have we podcasted before? I can't remember. No, this is my first podcast maiden voyage. First Excellent. Time. Excellent. Popping her cherry. Yes. Oh. <laughs> Um, there's, yeah. there's no that joke. <laughs> yeah, I, I apologize because, um, like, I've, I've podcasted with so many people. Um, like, uh, I, I tend to forget who I've podcasted with, so my apologies. Um, and next, last but not least, we have Stephanie. How's it going, Stephanie? I'm doing fantastic. Um, also, this is my debut into podcasting, so I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Excellent. So yeah, uh, uh, Stephanie's joining us because uh, she uh, we have a mutual friend, Curtis, who I said is on our Alpha Alpha crew. Uh, he recommended uh, she join up with us, and uh, Ray was recommended by Ragnar. So here we all are. We're all Star Trek fans, and and uh, hopefully we have a good discussion this evening. Um, all right. So for this episode, uh, because it's you know our first time. Um, podcasting together um our episode topic tonight is beta cruise star trek origin stories um so in this first episode of trek 1701 we are discussing what made us a star trek fan um so i'll start with uh, you ragnar uh what is your first memory of star trek my very first memory of star trek is visiting my grandfather, my, my mom's uh, dad, in Ottawa and watching Star Trek Next Generation with him. Um, now, 
I feel like I probably had seen some Star Trek before then because I felt like I was already kind of familiar with the show. Yeah. But uh, that's my first memory of watching Star Trek. And uh, he was the one who got my mom into Star Trek, and then my mom was the one who got me into Star Trek. So, you know, just carrying on the family tradition here. And that, and that was TNG? Um, that would have been that would have been TNG, and I would have been like oof, 10 maybe. So is it like early TNG or later TNG or? Uh, it was it was probably a rerun, but it was probably while TNG was still on air. Okay. And it was probably season two or three. Okay. Would have been my guess. I don't remember the episode. Just just remember sitting with my grandpa watching Star Trek. Excellent, excellent. Uh, yeah, and I and I loved it immediately. Awesome. Um, Ray. What is your uh, first memory of Star Trek? I don't think I have one specific first memory of Star Trek. I kind of became aware of it when I was a kid, TNG era again, and I just have nebulous memories of various bits and snippets from that kind of syndication era where they all kind of merged together in my brain. But it was immediately something that I felt connected with, just the, I think the the strong like ensemble cast, the found family aspects of it, that mm-hmm. big sense of hopefulness and faith in science and people and being better, and just the the unabashed dorkiness of it was something that I just really loved from an early age. Excellent. So, are we talking like TNG or original series or? Definitely TNG. Um, <clears throat> that was definitely my first my like. Prototypical, prototypical, like archetypal Star Trek, and okay. kind of carried on into the DS9 and, and onwards eras. Excellent, excellent. Um, Stephanie, what is your first memory of Star Trek? Pretty similar to what's already been discussed. I also couldn't tell you my first memory because it was just always on in the background growing up. Yeah. Um, probably my first big memory again also grew up on tng in the 90s and i have this very distinct memory of my sisters and i always playing tng and we would always fight to be jordy because we had those old 90s style the eyes and laughing right we had <laughs> yep. banana the banana clips and we put yep. banana clips over our eyes to see who could be jordy um yeah it was the same thing it was always something that brought my family extended family together like the year that nemesis came out I don't think my family even did Christmas dinner. We literally went to the movie theater and we took up the two front rows in the movie theater. And that was it. That's fantastic. It was awesome. I'm never like fantastic memories. It always just brought us together. Excellent. Um, Yeah. So the banana clip thing, um, I'll admit I did that as well because my sister had them. Um, so, you know, I'll admit it when I was, you know, you go into the bathroom, would be sitting there on the counter. I'd look in the mirror and pretend I was Jordy. Um, but that's actually where that came from. Um, because they, when they were doing, when they were coming up with TNG, they knew Jordy was going to be blind. They knew that he would have some sort of prosthetic device or something and they didn't know what to do. And then Michael Okuda, who worked on the show, he was dating his wife at the time, Denise, and he brought in this banana clip that she had and, and said, this is what we should use. And that's what they did. Um, so, yeah, that, that's uh, 
I'm sure many Star Trek kids did that in the 90s. Because, I don't know, my, my, my daughters don't really wear those, I don't think. I don't see them around. Um, but mm-hmm. must must be a 90s thing. <clears throat> it is definitely a 90s thing. Excellent. Um, so I had mentioned my first memory of Star Trek. Um, actually, if you go back on the feed of this uh, podcast network, I did a, rem- uh, a remembrance of my dad who just recently passed away. And actually, even though my dad wasn't a Star Trek fan, he got me into watching Star Trek, um, the original series. So, um, like, I'm 43, so I, I do remember a time before Next Generation. I was very young, but I do remember it. And my, wow. yeah, my dad was so my, <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, I am, I am, a, I am a grandpa, you know. Well, that's true, Grandpa. And, but I still have my hair, so there you go. I'm, I'm proud of that fact. Um, <laughs> but anyway, um, so my dad used to watch Hockey Night in Canada. Like, I mean, he's a, he was a hockey fanatic his whole life. But Hockey Night in Canada was like, you know, something he watched when he was a kid growing up. And anyway, in the 80s, they used to air reruns of the original series at 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoons. And then uh, Hockey Night in Canada would start at 5. And because we only had like three or four channels, my dad would just turn it to CBC in preparation for Hockey Night in Canada. So we, um, I got into watching Star Trek from him. Um, and yeah, the irony being he wasn't a Star Trek fan. Like he would watch Star Trek if it was on or if I was watching it. Um, as a kid, I remember him watching Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Um, I remember watching Star Trek Four with him. And also my mom. She... she um, would let me stay up late to watch the the original Star Trek movies when they would air on CTV, um, but yeah, those yeah. are my those are my first yeah. memories of Star Trek. Um, all right, so the next question I have is our favorite Star Trek series. So we'll start this time with Ray. Uh, which Star Trek series is your favorite? Ooh, so I'll say right off, I am bad with picking favorites. Um, it, it feels like an impossible thing. Mm-hmm. Um, TNG is probably like my most primal, like archetypal. When I think of Star Trek, mm-hmm. I think that I, I really have a soft spot for DS9. I think for all its faults, it really tried to do more, mm-hmm. and it was just kind of on that cusp of TV getting kind of the modern markers of what we consider good TV, and really pushing that. And it was it was something really different for Star Trek to just like boldly sit right here and deal with the problems in front of us instead of <laughs> and so I, I just I really enjoy DS9 and it's it's one of my my favorites as well more recently um, I am an utter unabashed lower decks evangelist I might can maybe acknowledge like intellectually that it might have some faults but I refuse mm-hmm. to actually admit them I I love that series so much excellent um I know Ragnar has uh, has recommended Lower Decks. I haven't got to to watching it yet, but I do intend to. Oh, you um, have to watch it. Yeah, it's so good. Well, so it, good. like I'm. Well, the thing is, I'm I'm a Rick and Morty fan, and I'm told that it's, it's a lot like Rick and Morty. Um, it kind it, it there's definitely like you can see the overlap, and it has some of the similar people behind it, is my understanding. Yeah, I was a little afraid going into it that it would have some of the more nihilistic elements of, of Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. It can be, Rick and Morty can be a very cynical show. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At times where 
Lower Decks just has a lot of the same humor, but a bit more toned down. It's a bit kinder, a bit more just that earnest heart on your sleeve sort of aspect. Yeah. So it kind of combines the two and it's really just a sweet spot for me. Also, I apologize. I'm a fast talker. Please tell anyone to everyone tell me to just slow down. No, no, no. You're you're doing perfectly fine. Um, Yeah. Like, um, yeah, like I, I like Rick and Morty. And even even if it is a little bit more toned down than Rick and Morty, you know, it's kind of a similar style. I know that's jarring for some people, but I'm okay with it because I know this isn't Star Trek continuity. This is something else. Like, this is like reading a Star Trek comic book. Um, You know, it's just about about having fun, right? Um, I think think you got to watch it because it's clearly written by people that love Star Trek. Star Trek. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. That's been been my, and I think you would say the same, Chris. It's been our biggest complaint with some of the new Trek series is the writing is just terrible. Yeah. Lower Decks isn't like that. It's it's written the way we would write Star Trek shows, but it's funny. Yeah. And it's it's almost like Star Trek parodying itself, but there's enough you know, serious things that happen that it's not entirely just a comedy. Yeah. And, and of course, you know, because it's a cartoon, you can have so many cameos of both places and people so much easier than if it was live action. Well, yeah, like one of the nice things about with animation is you can actually have actors playing their younger selves because they're animated. You know, yeah. So that yeah, it, that's it works cool. Really well, yeah, yeah. Um, Stephanie, um, your your favorite Star Trek series? This is so hard and so easy for me at the same time. I have to say Voyager. Just I am a '90s child. It's got to be Voyager. Like every mm-hmm. what was it Thursdays it would air on the Space Channel. I would always curl up with my mom. We would watch Voyager like Captain Janeway and my mom influenced me into the woman who I am today, right down to the problematic relationship with coffee. Like, just mm-hmm. it's, it's got to be Voyager. Yeah. Also, Lower Decks. Excellent. Um, <laughs> like that, like, like I had my issues with Voyager, but, you know, like I like with this new era of Star Trek, like I'm not entirely happy with with the new Star Trek shows. You know, not not including Lower Decks. Um, but it's made me appreciate Voyager more. And I'm actually finding myself going back and re-watching Voyager. Because I didn't actually watch the whole series when it originally aired. I would, you know, kind of step in every once in a while, watch an episode, then kind of step back. I was also in my, like, early 20s, so... Um, I was, you know, not, not home every night type of thing. But... You know, as I've definitely grown to appreciate it. I do think Voyager has an amazing cast, uh, great actors. They're all super nice people. I've, I've met most of them. Uh, I haven't met Janeway yet, but I think she would be awesome to meet. Um, and yeah, she's she's an amazing captain. Like it just it frustrates me when when I see people like nowadays talking about like Michael Burnham and and. Ray Skywalker, you know, they're talking about all these powerful female characters, and it's like, well, we had Janeway. 
she's a powerful female character. She was an awesome captain. Um, you like, I never felt that she did not have that captain authority. Like she was up there with Picard and and the rest of them. But anyway, uh, you'll notice uh, Stephanie and Ray. Sometimes we go on tangents when we do these episodes. You'll notice that. Never noticed that. <laughs> yeah, and and Ragnar and I, you know, because we've been doing this for a while, we tend to wander off a little bit. So, but. Um, and if you feel like going on a tangent, if you want to throw more in there, by all means, don't be shy. Um, I love tangent. Excellent. <laughs> um, so I'm up next. My favorite Star Trek series is Deep Space Nine. Um, I just felt that, you know, it was a show that just got better as it went on. I loved when Worf came on. I loved the fact that one of the things about TNG that kind of bugged me was Rod and Gene Roddenberry had these rules like he didn't want his characters pairing off didn't want people getting married he wanted like that the hourly reset because that was kind of like the TV model back then like so you can watch Star Trek episodes out of order unless they're a two-parter um, but Deep Space Nine like they kind of threw that out the window and they had like Worf married Dax they had you know C Captain Sisko got married they had, um, you know, you know, characters that you cared about die, and it, you know, like they kind of honestly set the stage for a lot of what a lot of what is done on modern television now, um, in terms of you know deaths and 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 ongoing storylines. Uh, Deep Space Nine had, you know, for pretty much its last four seasons, like an overarching Dominion threat war arc um which was just absolutely amazing um but the the star trek series that comes in at a very close second for me is tng um like again another amazing cast uh patrick stewart uh i love i love captain cisco don't get me wrong but patrick stewart is my favorite captain um I haven't met Avery Brooks in real life. I have met Patrick Stewart, and he was just such a gentleman and such a sweet man that that kind of tilts him in my favor for favorite captain. But I've also met Kirk, and he was nice too, but not, you know, not as nice as Patrick Stewart. Um, so Deep Space Nine, um, TNG, and then I would probably, like if I'm going to name off like the Berman era series... I'd probably go Enterprise and then Voyager and then the original series because I do love the, you know, like the original series had some really great episodes um, and I can look past like the, the cheesy special effects, the cheesy sets, like I totally get where they were going, like they were, you know, they did the best with what they had to work with and I highly recommend if you, if you guys have never seen uh, Star Trek Continues, the YouTube series, I highly recommend checking it out. It's really good. Like they, like they rebuilt the sets. They got actors playing these characters, um, and yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's great. They did. Uh, I want to say eleven episodes. Yeah, like they treat it like this is like the fourth and fifth season of of the original series. Like they complete the five year mission. So by the end of the series, you actually see the Enterprise go back to Earth, and and it's starting to be worked on. You see Kirk wearing the 
the Admiral's uniform you saw in the first Star Trek movie. It, it's really cool. Uh, Ragnar, um, what is your favorite Star Trek series? Uh, I'm I'm with you, Chris. DS9 is is my personal favorite. Um, partially because it's the one that that I watched as a kid. I remember watching the series premiere on television, and then you know tuning in every week to watch another episode until the series was completed. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's it's always gonna be my favorite because it was the one that made me fall in love with Star Trek, but. You know, TNG is sort of the the gold standard. Like when you think of Star Trek, most people think of the Next Generation immediately. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that the two shows are set in the same timeline, and so is Voyager. Yeah. And I, and I love that they're set in the same timeline, and occasionally they share characters. Uh, you know, especially of course in the later seasons when Worf joins the cast. Um. And upon rewatches, I found that DS9, you know, like Ray was saying, it's just sort of ahead of its time. And most modern TV shows do a lot of the stuff they did in DS9, but at the time, they did not do that. At the time, everything was, you know, designed for syndication. You could just watch an episode. They didn't, you know, build on each other. You didn't need to watch the episode before to understand the the overall story. And DS9 was, was different. It had storylines that you know ran multiple seasons it had episodes that you needed to watch in chronological order mm-hmm. um so it was really ahead of its time in that way and compared to the next gen in the original series ds9 talks about religion and talks about money and i i would not say it shows the future as dystopian but it shows that the future isn't exactly as optimistic as the next gen sometimes makes it out to be yeah because um, like they would reference wars like i know like on uh, like the first time we met the cardassians on tng they referenced the cardassian mm-hmm. war and and uh, chief o'brien fought in that war um you know in the original series they referenced the earth romulan war but you don't you never see them you know the uh, yeah. space nine was the first show to actually like show what war would yeah. be like yeah, and and I loved how they basically the Cardassians were essentially Nazis and the Bajorans were essentially the Jews and like that was, I thought that was great and I and I love how the war might be over but for most Bajorans the fight is still not over. Yeah, and I and I you know and that made for characters like Kira who were more complex and and interesting. Again, a strong think... female character. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, but sorry, Ray, you were you were saying? Oh no, I was just gonna say like the whole thing is just more complex and more nuanced than everything that was before it. Oh yeah. And it's the first time that we really see even criticism of the Federation. There were mm-hmm. episodes in TNG where there were bad actors or factions in the Federation that had clearly lost the spirit. Yeah. But this is the first time where I think we really in, in DS9 where we occasionally saw the Federation through the eyes of other peoples and through non-Federation members. And it wasn't all rosy or this idealistic thing necessarily. It was so much more nuanced than it still had that sense of hope and good faith, but it wasn't simplistic anymore. And I I think that was just one of the most compelling things about DS9. Yep. Yeah. 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 Like, um, 
I think it's the episode The Pale Moonlight when um, Cisco and, and Garrick bring the Romulans into the war and they conspire together and I, and I mean at the end of it as a, as a Starfleet officer Cisco should have like confessed but, oh, he's, yeah. like, but, but he's like no mm-hmm. we, yeah. we need them and yes people died to bring them here but I but I, I can live with that and then he, you know he keeps repeating that line so it's like Hmm, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I definitely couldn't see Picard doing that, or Kirk. No. So. No. No, they, they would have both, that would have been too dishonorable for either of them. Yeah. Um, what made that moment land so much was, like, we had gone several seasons by that point. We knew Cisco was an, a good, honorable man, but, you know, a decent person who's trying to do his best, but trying to do his best in the middle of a war and whatever you think about his decisions that decision meant something at that point it had weight to it yeah yeah and yeah like in that episode it's definitely one of my favorite episodes that you know it was perfectly framed you know like they keep getting those casualty reports cisco keeps seeing names of people he knows dying and it's like he has to stop it um yeah it yeah, definitely one of the best episodes. And Avery Brooks is just an amazing actor. Him and Andrew Robinson. I love that whole, you know, them arguing and fighting and working together. Like, it was fantastic. Um, all right. So our next question is our favorite Star Trek episode. Uh, so we will start with Stephanie. Stephanie, what is your favorite Star Trek episode? I feel bad because it's so cliche, but I just showed, I have a four-year-old in my house right now, and I showed her Trouble with Tribbles, and (laughs) we had to watch the storage bin scene at least 50 times, and then we had to watch it again, and again, and just rewatching it, it's like, what, it's over over 50 years, well, that was 67 it came out? Yep. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, the writing is bit, like, yes, there's some comments about Soviet Russia that are a little dated, but I mean, the writing is spot on. The story's fantastic. It still makes me snort laugh. Doesn't matter how many times I've watched it, and then my kid's like, Mom, we gotta watch it again. So, it's gotta be trouble with triples. Excellent. And, and the writer of that episode, David Gerald, he actually helped Gene Roddenberry develop the the Bible for the TNG uh, series. So he actually helped develop some of those characters that, that we all know and love on TNG. Um, yeah, fascinating guy. Um, all right, well, I am next on the list. So, uh, oh, yeah, mine is also from the original series, and it's The City on the Edge of Forever. So this is the episode where uh, McCoy accidentally overdoses on... Um, some medicine meant for Sulu. He goes crazy, beams down to a planet which happens to have a gateway that can take an intelligent gateway that can take you anywhere in the universe, anytime, any place. And he ends up going back through this gateway, which is known as the Guardian of Forever, and changing human history. So Kirk and Spock have to go back and stop him. And then Kirk, of course, falls in love with a very young Joan Collins, 
very beautiful Joan Collins. They fall in love and all this other stuff. And then Spock learns the, the truth that in order for them to save history, Edith Keeler, the woman he's just fallen in love with, has to die. She's the reason why the future's changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason that changed was because Spock, or uh, sorry, McCoy originally went back in time and saved her from being hit by a, a truck. She was meant to die in a traffic accident. So anyway, when this traffic accident ends up happening again, uh, McCoy's going to run out to, to save her, but Kirk stops her. He holds her holds him back, and you hear her get hit by the truck, and she dies. And um, McCoy says, you know, do you realize what you did? And then you see Kirk, he's, you know, upset and shaking, and Spock says, he knows, Doctor, he knows. So they go back in time to the future. The future's been restored. Everything's back to normal. And then uh, they get uh, a signal from the Enterprise that they're good to beam up. And Kirk says, let's get the hell out of here. Like, th- like, to fir- like you got to remember, back in the 60s, you were not supposed to say hell on television. So for yeah. for him to say that and for them to keep it in the show was very powerful at the time. Mm-hmm. And I just remember watching that episode as a kid and being like, you know, would you be willing to give up the love of your life for, you know, your future for, you know, if, if it means all these other people have to die. Um, and, and I, and I die on a hill saying that, uh, Edith Keeler was his one true love and, uh, you know, and just, unfortunately they only had that short window, but yeah, that's, uh, my favorite episode. Ragnar, what is your favorite Star Trek episode? Well, I, I actually, uh, it's a two-parter, and uh, it's not from DS9, which which may surprise anyone, but uh, the uh, best of both worlds in uh, Next Gen. Excellent. Where uh, yes. Picard gets kidnapped by the Borg and assimilated. Um, many times I have gone back and just watched those two episodes without watching the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as a kid, the Borg were probably my favorite bad guys. They just fascinated me. Mm-hmm. They, as a kid, they were scary. They were creepy, but they were also kind of intelligent, I suppose. Like they were, they were scary because they were t- more technologically advanced. Mm-hmm. Did- um, did you, yeah. did any of you watch this uh, live like when it first aired? No, I I would have already aired before I got to see it. Okay. I was trying to think what year that would have aired. I would have been uh, little. Nineteen ninety. Um. Okay. I would have been really little. I'm just gonna say that. <laughs> Possibly, but the time that I, times that I were watching was usually syndication times i think it was still on okay see okay so for anyone who may not know and and as as the host i tend to like delve into certain things as you may have already noticed um please do so in 1990 grandpa in in 1990 um this i remember watching this and i remember just being blown away because i hadn't even watched the, the Q Who episode, I'd never seen that before. So I had no idea who the Borg were. So when they showed up and they're cyborgs and, you know, Picard's assimilated and it's like, oh my God. 
you know, and then they have this weapon on the Enterprise they're going to use to destroy the Borg, but if they use it, then they'll be destroyed. And then, you know, it all culminates with, you know, Riker giving the order to fire. And then, you know, ding, 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 ding. And then you just see, you know, executive producer Gene Roddenberry. Or, and to be continued. Well, I got, like, I was just blown away. I'm like, I can't wait to see the next episode. And I remember when I first watched that, I was at my aunt's house. And my aunt had a subscription to TV Guide, for all those that remember um, we used to have to oh, read, yeah. read a TV guide. Good old TV guide. Yeah, to find yeah, out what's yeah, yeah. coming up. And she had the one for the next week. And it said, Star Trek Next Generation Part 2, Best Both Worlds Part 2. So I was like, okay, cool. i got to wait a week. The week comes by, and I turn on Star Trek TNG, and it's not Part 2. It's a rerun. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? No. And... No. And I had no idea of the concept of, of, of a cliffhanger. Because Star Trek had never done that before. So so they filmed part one, aired it in June of 1990, and then part two wasn't going to air until late September 1990. And that was like the summer of hell. Um, because I'm like, does he die? You know, there's all these rumors floating around. All these fan theories, and we didn't even have internet back then. But 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 I was still. I was gonna say, that, there's no Facebook. <laughs> yeah, like I was hearing this from friends. I was hearing this from uh, newspapers and and magazines, and you know, oh, you know, Picard's gonna die. Riker's gonna take command. Blah blah blah. Shelby will be the first officer, and it's like, holy crap! Patrick Stewart wants to move back to England, so he wants out of Star Trek. There was all these theories all summer. And even, um, like, if you ever watched the, the Blu-ray um, commentary that they did for these episodes, uh, Patrick Stewart told this really funny story that that summer he's at a red light and someone pulled up beside him and, like, was looking at him because they recognized him. And he unrolled his window, so Picard, or, uh, Patrick Stewart had unrolled his window. And the guy literally yelled at him. You ruined my summer, and, th- and then he drove off. Um. So anyway, yeah. So when we finally got to see, uh, part two, and and Riker did become captain, I was like, oh my god, they are getting rid of Picard. And then uh, no, Riker went back to being first officer. They rescued Picard, and it was a great two-parter. But man, was that a su- that was a long summer. I got to tell you. Um, but yeah, no, that's, that's a great choice there, Ragnar. Like if, 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 uh, City on the Adventure Forever wasn't mine, that's definitely my second favorite for sure. Yeah. Uh, Ray, uh, what is your favorite, uh, episode of Star Trek? So as mentioned, I'm, I'm really bad with favorites. Whenever I'm asked by mine, like half pouts and half panics, I swear there's part of me that truly believes that everything I don't pick is going to have hurt feelings. <laughs> but <laughs> I, I tend to like more than any, any particular episode. There, there's two like types of things I really like. And one is the more like philosophical episodes. The do we give this Android right to decide what happens to his body? How do we behave during war? What do we do with this defector? That's very inconvenient for us. And do we adhere to our principles even when it's inconvenient? That those kind of episodes. And then I I really just love the, 
the small interpersonal bits, whether or not they're the focus of an episode. I love hollow deck episodes where we're just going to be big dorks with our friends about Shakespeare or Da Vinci or Sherlock Holmes. And then things get serious or the little bits between, you know, Odo and Quark or just all those little bits, the little bits between Data and Geordi, all those little small, small moments are just my favorites. Excellent. Excellent. Actually, um, that's a very unsatisfying answer, but no, <laughs> that's that, a great answer. No, that's fine. Not a problem. Um, all right. Our favorite Star Trek character. Um, so s- did I start with you last time, Stephanie? Yes, I did. So I guess I start. Oh, man. Um, our star- <laughs> favorite Star Trek character. You know, I planned this, but I totally didn't even think about this one question. Um, I lo- I like them all. Um, no, that you can't. You can't say. I'm feeling justified now. All um, of the above. I I would I would say probably my favorite Star Trek character. Um, okay, this is going to be like a like a strange answer i like captain picard on the show i didn't like in the movies when they tried to make him into like an action hero um i like picard the diplomat i like picard the you know the archaeologist geek i like the like picard likes to read um you know he's a great pilot um He's just a you know a great commanding presence. Um, like I know in his first few episodes he kind of came across as a dickhead, but he settled down. He settled down, and um, he just had a great style of command. Um, and I also love Cisco, but Cisco tends to yell at people a lot, um, which I like. His uh, uh, like at my work, I just recently got promoted, so I'm kind of in a captaincy role <laughs> in a way i have people that work under me cisco style where you just yell at people no no i don't i don't do cisco <laughs> style but i do have a ready room so uh it's actually called an office but i like to call it my <laughs> ready room um but no I, I would go with uh captain picard you know patrick stewart um and part of it is the fact that Patrick Stewart's such a such a sweet man and was so he was probably my favorite Star Trek celebrity. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna go with Captain Picard. Uh, Ragnar, who's your favorite character? Oh, I don't even have to think about it. It's Worf, hands down. Um, there are a lot of great characters across star trek and in every star trek series even in the newer series that i don't like there are still characters that i like Mm -hmm. but Worf has always been my favorite character and i especially like that he's in more than one series technically he's in what three series Mm -hmm. he shows up in next gen and then ds9 and then the picard show in the Mm -hmm. final season um, so, you know, he, he's a great character. He, you know, he's a, he's a Klingon warrior and he's a very, very fierce warrior. 
but in DS9 we also see that he's a you know a fierce and somewhat romantic lover, which which was very exciting for me because of course I had a massive crush on Jadzia. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. My favorite character and Jadzia getting together was pretty mind blowing. Um, and yeah, he's just always been my favorite. Uh, I did meet Michael Dorn, and he wasn't very pleasant in person, so that was a bit of a really? downer. Yeah, he he's. Uh, yeah, it's so weird. Well, apparently, apparently he's quite moody, and if you get him when yeah. he's in a good mood, he's really charismatic and funny. And if you get him when he's in a bad mood, he's kind of grumpy and dismissive. I, and, I, yeah. I, I, I can honestly say that in my experience, because I've actually met him three times. Oh the, wow! He, wow. He, he, he did get grumpier with age because the first time I met him was in. 1993, when they used to have Star Trek conventions that came to Edmonton. Man, I remember hearing a commercial on the radio for one of those, and I wanted to go so bad. It sounded like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Yeah, they were. Like, uh, you know, everything Star Trek themed. (laughs) You know, it's just too bad that they... Like, Creation still does the Vegas convention, and I think they do a couple others, but yeah, it was like every... For in the nineties, they were in every city at least twice a year, doing yeah, Star yeah, Trek centric like conventions. Yeah. yeah, but I remember. And, and maybe they, maybe they were the forerunners of our modern comic. Oh yeah, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so yeah, I met Michael Dorn back then, so he would have been. Uh, I think it would have been like the last season of TNG uh, was filming. And he was just, like, was a super nice guy. Like, I mean, I was just a stupid teenager, gawky teenager. So I was just, like, <laughs> probably smiling ear to ear and, you know, how's was, was going, buddy? You know, and he signed my video because I had a videotape. Um, and he signed it. And uh, that was that. But then, yeah, years later, I seen him at Calgary in 2012. Um, so, like, 19 years later, I guess. Um, for the big big TNG reunion, and yeah, he was a little little on the grumpy side, and then and then I've seen him since a couple times, but eh, you know, people get grumpy with age, it, you know, not everybody, but some people, some people get lighter with age. So I definitely think I'm the lighter because I think yeah. I was I think I was grumpier when I was younger, but now I just mm. don't I just don't care anymore. So I'm happy. <laughs> Um, okay, Ray, who is your favorite Star Trek character? So I actually have an answer to this one. Perfect. And it wasn't because I thought it would be. Because so I thought, I was like, well, oh yeah, that's Data, clearly. And it's one of those look-into-your-heart kind of moments, and I, the plain and simple truth is Garrick. I just... Nice. I just love seeing him just chew the scenery and uh, be his weird charismatic secretive Cardassian self I, I just adore it but there, there's a lot of runner-ups there but mm-hmm. I know that deep in my heart that's my favorite I I would have put money down that you would say data yeah <laughs> me too she wanted to be confusing to me I'm having a bit of an identity crisis here <laughs> no Garrett is a fascinating yeah complex very well acted character. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh great great actor. Like uh 
Andrew Robinson's just fantastic. Fantastic actor. And a nice person. Face made that just chewing the scenery and somehow, despite it never being anywhere in the like never actually stated or developed as a plot line, and yet it still he still manages to have the best romance. With also with Garrick is I found he always he could work with anybody. Like if if he was doing a scene with Nog, like when they were crashed on that planet and they you know they they had that scene where wa- where Nog was always like walking behind him, and he's like, "What are you doing? Oh, you know, is this because I tried killing you last year? I thought you'd get over that." Um, and then like him and Cisco have great scenes together. Him and Odo, um, you know, it's not just him and Bashir, like, you know. Like, no, he has chemistry with everyone, and he's yeah. just so enjoyable to watch. Yeah, and I and I loved it when, you know, in season six, like, when he's tagging along with them on the Defiant, because he has no else, no place else to go. Like, that was awesome. I, I was so happy. Um, Stephanie. Yeah, he, he does oh, become, <laughs> well, he does start out, he's just in the odd episode, and then. Yeah, you know, he was in being it more yeah. and more, and by the end, he's not in every episode by any means, but he's definitely pretty a regular. close. Yeah, he's well, done. he was in one episode in season one, I, I think, and then he came back yeah. in season two for a couple in the beginning, and then he did more towards the end of the season, and then yeah. yeah. Um, and I guess from what I heard, um, Andrew Robinson, uh, the only reason he took the role was because. He hadn't he hadn't acted in a while, and he was worried that he was gonna like lose his house or something. So he's like, okay, oh, okay. I'll do the Star Trek thing, and then yeah, it ended up being one of the best things he ever. Like he's he he's so invested in that role, and and such a uh, so appreciative of it. He's so glad he did it. Mm-hmm. So so sometimes it it good things happen when you when you run into financial difficulties. Sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. The lesson I took from this is financial difficulties mean a role on Star Trek, so great. It could, it could. Um, Stephanie, who is your favorite Star Trek character? Well, I I feel like I'm having an opposite problem that from what Ray experienced, because the whole time I'm sitting here going, don't peg yourself as the Voyager girl. Don't say Janeway. Don't say Janeway. Did all my soul searching. I have to say Janeway. Like, I just, I have to, I can't not. Like, again, just the influence she had on me growing up was incredible. Like, I also have a background in gender studies. So I, after finishing my degree, went back and watched Voyager. And I just, I couldn't unsee this tightrope that she walks between those expectations of you have to be strong. You have to be that decisive captain and willing to take risks to get your crew home. But at the same time, she also has to be soft and maternal and graceful and like the mom of the crew in the middle of nowhere. Like at one point Q even comments on your touchably soft hands. Like, is he doing that with the No, but yeah, like it's just still, I'm watching this one almost 30 years later and it still holds up and Mm -hmm. like, I was watching Prodigy with my kid and just that 
Yeah, talking about bringing new life to actors in animation and that very first scene where they, I don't know if anybody else has watched it, but the very first scene is from inside the replicators staring out at Admiral Janeway and very just soul crushingly, she asks the replicator for a cup of tea instead of her cup of coffee and it's just so perfect. But yeah, yeah, she just still resonates. It's got to be Janeway. Yeah. And that, I, uh, I haven't watched Prodigy at all, but yeah, she she's like a hologram, right? She's yeah. So they do a hologram version of her as um, so they kind of play on the uh, like the ECH thing from Voyager, right. but they do it as Janeway, and so that's the kind of younger version. But then they do also bring in Admiral oh, Janeway later okay. on. Okay. Sorry if that was a spoiler to anybody. <laughs> But at least they're they're they, they're still playing on the the thing because like on um, the uh, series finale of Voyager when he, uh, Janeway meets the older Janeway, the older Janeway sa- says, "I quit coffee years ago and I just drink tea now." Right. So, so yeah, it I guess... was a doctor's orders, and yeah. she was looking for a second opinion. Is the line they bring in, and it was just like, "Oh, that was so perfect." Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Excellent. And they uh, they just announced that Netflix picked up that show and they're going to make more of it, I believe. Yes, I think January twenty fourth. So I got to go back onto Netflix in the new year. <laughs> yeah, I I just subscribe, watch the stuff I want, and then cancel it. Yeah, that's what we do too. Hmm? Yeah, every yep. you know, two or three times a year, I'll sign up, binge watch it for a while, and then get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, yep. I made the mistake. So this is my tangent. I made the mistake back in July because I really wanted to watch Lower Deck. So I went, okay, I'll get Crave. Got suckered into a year of Crave, only to two weeks later find out that all of Star Trek was getting pulled off of Crave. So I then had to binge watch everything in a matter of like a week, and my soul. <laughs> Still, and my wallet still hurt a little bit from that, mm. but here yeah. we are. Yeah. So now it's on Paramount Plus, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think it's all on Paramount now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. But you can watch. There is a Star Trek channel on Pluto for free. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty I don't good. Know, that's like a long voyage to get in a spaceship and go all the way to Pluto just to watch Star Trek. <laughs> 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 uh... <laughs> all right well i uh i got uh it's not an additional question but it kind of relates to we're talking about characters here um who is your character crush on star trek um ragnar who's your character crush i think you already mentioned her yeah jedzia dex man yeah I, I fell in love with her the second they introduced her. And when I rewatched Deep Space Nine, it's now apparent to me that uh, Major Kira was supposed to be the sexy one in the show. Mm-hmm. They put her in the provocative outfits. She's in all these different scenarios. When they go to the alternate universe, she's like a sex-crazed maniac. But as a as a kid and then a teenager... I only had eyes for Jadzia Dax. I thought she was the perfect woman. Like she was, she was smart. She was funny. She was tough. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I loved, I loved that. You know, she she honored 
the the Klingon oath that she had made in a past lifetime, and 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 you know that's one of my favorite Star Trek episodes too, the one where she teams up with the old Klingon warriors to to go take down um, the albino. The albino. albino, yeah, yeah. So, and um, yeah, I, I still when I watch DS9, I still think she's a, a knockout, and I, I'm definitely still in love with that character. Um, and that's why I, especially on the first run through, I hated when they recast her and they brought in Nicole DeBoer, who mm-hmm. is a great actress and was also quite cute, but I just hated it. Because uh, I just love Jadzia so much that I thought when they killed her, they should have just, you know, that's it. She's gone. End of story. And not try to try to sneak sneak her back in as a different actor. Yeah. So I, I really, yeah, I really when, objected to that. Yeah, when we when and, we did uh, our Deep Space Nine discussions, I think you and I both agreed with that. Um, yeah. I, I, I just yeah. wish they had given her a command of her own ship sent her away because she did because i don't know it, it like when you yeah, watch they didn't have to kill her she, yeah when you watch the when you watch the iris steve and bear documentary about deep space nine like she said like she she just wanted to reduce her workload um going into the final season like she didn't want to be killed off she just you know wanted to like go back to like a guest star status um, yeah and and rick berman was like no either you know we can just replace you which i thought was stupid like you could have had her on a ship because they did have her commanding the defiant from time to time it would make sense that they would promote her to a captain at some point give her command of her own ship and maybe she's fighting in a different area especially like they're at war people would be getting promoted all over the place yeah like and and then you bring her back for the final episode you know yeah and then you can just yeah or show up for time or they could have her die a heroic death before the end of the series. Yeah, you know, no. and the way they warm. killed her was very yeah. abrupt, a- anti mm-hmm. anticlimactic, and also yeah. the way they wrote Worf after that because there's no way Worf is just going to let Ducat just walk around like no, he, w- he would have been hunting him down. After that, that like <laughs> character of Worf should have been profoundly different after Jedzia's death, and they really tried to pretend like he wasn't. Yeah. And I, I really always object. Like, and that's why when I rewatch DS9, I don't always watch season seven. I often just watch to the end of season six, and then yeah, like no, yeah. No offense to Nicole De, De, DeBoer, but she could have just been another character. Yeah, and they like, could have just brought her in. This is our new science officer, and she's not a trill, or she's a trill with a different symbiont. Cool, no problem. Yeah, but like, yeah. But anyways, um. I was going to mention, though, before we go on to something else, that I'm rewatching the Orville right now, which nice. I yes. friggin' love. Thank you. I, I think it's the best Star Trek since Voyager, um, so even good. though it's not technically Star Trek. It's it's friggin' Star Trek. And okay. and they do it better, in my opinion, they do it better than Discovery does or, you know, Strange New Worlds or even the Picard show. I think I think the Orville is a better Star Trek series than any of those. Mm-hmm. Um. So, in the Orville, they did do a recast. the The chief of security mm-hmm. uh, is recast, and they recast her with a member of her same race, but it's a different character. And they brought in an actress who's quite strong, and it's fine. 
And they occasionally bring back the old character. She's not dead. She's just not on the ship. And I think they handled it so much better Mm -hmm. than Deep Space Nine did with Dax. Yeah. You know, like it, it, it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a gut punch to the fans when you watch it. You're just like, okay. And you accept the new chief of security and she's great. And you get to keep all the same gags that they did, but it's a whole new character and it goes in different directions. Um, so I think they did a, they, I think they watched DS9 and went, we don't want to make that mistake here. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it can be it can be done <clears throat> properly, but Deep Space Nine and Jadzia Dax was not properly. So Stephanie and Ray, you guys are you ladies? Sorry, are are, are Orville <laughs> fans watchers? It's so good. There's a battle of the doctors. Come on. Like, yeah. <laughs> or that so is good. That Speaking is of perfect. Laura, right? <laughs> well, we're, we're gonna have to do an Orville episode then because. Ragnar and I have been talking about the Orville to the other guys. They, you know, well, I guess Curtis was watching it. But I, I was telling him to watch it for like four years, and then yeah. finally got around. I'm, I'm throwing him under the bus, right? Yeah, here. yeah, <laughs> you totally should, because because when him and, and Richard eventually watched it, they both were like, meh. And I was just like, what do you mean, meh? It's friggin' amazing. So mm-hmm. it's like Star Trek if it didn't take itself seriously, but then it also gets serious. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like season, just, it's I just perfect. I just yeah. started season three again, and I'm like, season three is not a comedy anymore. No, it's no. It's straight up Star Trek. Like, it's got unique elements, but it's, and again, that's what I love so much about Lower Decks as well, that it truly yeah. gets what makes this special, but also doesn't mind making fun of it occasionally. Like, it's... Yeah. I, I had definitely reservations with the Orville because, like, Seth, Seth MacFarlane, I can often take or leave his humor. It, it rarely oh, gets more than a, you know, a forced laugh. Like, a, it's just not my style generally, so I wasn't didn't have high hopes for it. But it, yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> if I was a studio exec at Paramount or CBS, and Seth MacFarlane came in and said, "I want to reboot Star Trek," I also would have laughed him out of the building. But now that I've seen the Orville, I'd be like, holy shit, they should have let him reboot Star Trek. They absolutely should have been like, yeah, here yep. you go. Here's a dump truck full of money. Go do whatever you want because he's a fan and he he gets it. Yes, Ray, you know, he brought in lots of writers from mm-hmm. um, DS9 and Next Gen and Voyager. He brought in cast members from many different Star Trek series. Uh, he brought in... Like there's a lot of people who worked on Star Trek that worked on the Orville, yep. and he did that on purpose because he wanted it to be Star Trek, just called something else. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So good. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll definitely do an Orville episode probably sooner rather than later. Um, <laughs> but for this, uh, we're going through the our, our Star Trek character crushes. I'm with uh, Ragnar, so mine was Jadzia. <laughs> um, but she's worth a double crush, man. <laughs> but it's it's funny because uh, I remember years ago one of my coworkers who's like a Star Trek fan or passing Star Trek fan. He's like, I I could totally guess who your Star Trek crush was. I'm like, okay. And he's like, seven of nine. I'm like, mm. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, it was Jed Zia, and he, like he had never watched Deep Space Nine, so he's like, who the fuck's Jed Zia? And I showed him a picture, and I'm like. Yeah, she's. Uh... I mean, seven to nine is 
pretty spectacular. Yeah, like, don't get me wrong. Like, Jerry Ryan's a very beautiful woman, you know, in that first season four there. You know, when she's wearing, like, the silver skin-tight cat suit. You know, for medical reasons, of course. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I could, I could definitely see, you know, why they brought her in. Attractive young woman, definitely want to get the male demographic coming back to Star Trek. But, but like, Jed Zia, she, it wasn't just that she was beautiful. It's just, it, she was cool. Like, she, you know, had a good time. You know, she punched out her future mother-in-law at her bachelorette party. And then just kept, and then just kept partying. And then she had a hangover the next day. And, like, yeah, it, you know, she's just awesome. Um, Ray, who is your Star Trek character crush? I, I mean, and so I don't tend to have too frequent of, like, character crushes. But insofar as I do, yep. Yeah. Jazia, I, I hate to just go with the crowd, really? but she was easily the one who had the most, I don't know, nice. not charisma exactly, but she had that presence and that confidence and curiosity and understanding of who she was and where she came from. And also just, again, how they killed her off and who they replaced her with and such an obvious replacement was just so disheartening. Yeah. But I often think, like, for Star Trek... I'm sorry, I'm a star, forest talker again here, but mm-hmm. I, I find that I have the way Star Trek often approaches romantic storylines just leaves me so cold. It's just an immediate like set faces to cringe. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's like just immediately as soon as there's Star Trek, my brain just unhooks from that. And then I think also especially to. I, and I don't know if, if guys, if, if you found this the same way with the female characters, but in each series, there's been clearly an anointed male character that is supposed to be the, the ladies man, the, the crush one. There. Yes. And they're and it's, it just never landed with me. It's just like, uh, wait, this guy, this guy, right. that's child. what women are supposed to want. Yeah. What? And it's so clear that I'm supposed to have a crush on this. Like, Yeah. <laughs> this character and it just immediately unhooks my brain from that whole thing and I'm just, nope 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 plenty of people to admire here there have been very few people I've properly had a crush on in Star Trek so I think Jadzia has to top that excellent yes, yes. <laughs> um thank you so much Ray for just reading my mind that's all I have to say <laughs> <laughs> so um Stephanie who's your Star Trek crush yeah I Again, like what Ray said, I don't think, yeah, like it, especially we've been talking DS9 and Voyager, like obviously there was Seven of Nine, there was Kira, there was Jadzia, like even, um, you know, Cass in Voyager, she was supposed to be like the cute one. And to me, again, there's, I'm trying to pick the right words here, there's always, there's a bit of that heteronormative male gaze. I don't want to go more jargony than that, but it's, very much a by men like just kind of assuming what women like you were saying ray like oh this is what women are supposed to find attractive like no that never really landed for me um i will say my mom's favorite yeah now i'm throwing my mom under the bus sorry mom uh work was my mom's favorite always um once upon a time we went to vulcan and you know they had everybody's been there Mm -hmm. the, the cardboard things you can pick 
And it was like, hey, which ones do you want to be with on the bridge of the Enterprise? And of course, I grabbed Janeway and Tuvok, little 10-year-old me, and my mom grabs Worf. We're like, do you want Picard? Do you want, like, any of the other TNG? Yeah, no, just Worf. We're like, mom, do you have a crush on Worf? And she's like, hey, I might have a ring on my finger, but that does not mean I have shutters over my eyes, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. And I think Worf, like, for all the things that Rhaegar was saying, Worf's probably my second favorite character. So, I mean, if I had to pick one, maybe Worf. But other than that, like, again, just none of them really landed that way. Sorry. Like, yeah, no, no. It, it, that's a pretty cool thing. I know um, my mom and my cousin Wanda, who's actually, like, my mom's age, they both had a big thing for Riker. Yeah, my uh, my mom has a huge thing for Riker. Like, like maybe it's just a different generation. Like, I don't know. Like, uh, like, so I went yeah. to a convention in 2011, I mean, and I, I got... mean, also my mom married my dad, so you know, questionable. <laughs> <taste>. <laughs> I went to a convention in Calgary in 2011, and I met Jonathan okay. Frakes, got my picture taken with him, and anyway. Um, I can't remember what happened. For some reason, I couldn't pick up my pictures, so my other friend that was there, she picked them up for me, and then, because we were meeting up in, like, a week or two, she just brought them to me, and so anyway, I broke out the pictures. This was at, like, my nephew's baby shower, I think. Anyway, I'm, I, I break out the picture of Riker, and literally, my cousin Wanda, like, gasps, and she's, like, holding her chest, and she's like, oh, my God. You know, and I'm like, yeah, like she just loves him that much that he, he like her, yeah. She turns okay, her, so she, I guess there there is a there is a target. It yeah. Apparently, just didn't hit me or Ray. Like, it did land apparently. Some yeah. <laughs> but um, I I will throw an honorable mention out there since we all picked Jedzia. Um, my honorable mention is. Anson Mount as Captain Pike on the new oh, Star Trek. That hair, I'll give you that. The SNW characters are a little closer. They're getting there. They're trying. Like he, <laughs> there was a show on in the 2010s called Hell on Wheels. That's the first time I met. Him. Like I've seen him in other movies, but that was like his first starring role. And like he was just a man's man. Like he was so awesome on the, in that western. And then when he became Captain Pike, I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. He's like, you know, I'm not a fan of Discovery, but he was amazing. And so when I actually got to meet him in Calgary in 2019, super nice dude, like so friendly. And, yeah, definitely, definitely developed a boy crush for sure. Um, and I am not ashamed to admit that. I already told my wife, so. And he um, cooks. So maybe maybe his cooking lands with certain modern women. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um all right, so the last question uh for the night is our favorite did I already ask that? Star Trek character Oh, favorite Star Trek actor slash actress. So um not the character, but the, the actor or actress behind them. And it could be for whatever reason. If you've met them or if you've watched interviews with them or, or whatever. Uh, so we'll start with... Uh, who would we leave off with? Uh, we'll start with Ray. 
Who's your favorite Star Trek actor or actress? That's difficult. I haven't met them. I'm not, like, big into the concert like you guys are, so I, I haven't met any of them. And I, I, I just, celebrity culture or just picking, like, a favorite actor or actress is often just not something that lands too well with me. Maybe, probably Patrick Stewart, just the depths of my geeky heart. You, you can't not love everything he's contributed to the genre. Um, yeah, no, I think that, uh, yeah, he does a lot of, a lot of funny stuff. Like, you know, he, him and Ian McKellen do a lot of pictures of them traveling the world and going to different pubs and, and marching in and gay pride parades and stuff like that. Like he seems yeah, like they, they had quite the bromance, those two. Yeah. So <laughs> much so that people, I, people who know that I'm a Star Trek fan ask me, is, is Captain Picard gay? I'm like, no, uh, Ian McKellen's gay, yes, but uh, Pat Patrick Stewart's actually got like a wife that's like forty years younger than him, mm -hmm. and and there's actually there, there's a, actually a meme somewhere on um, Facebook or somewhere, and there's a picture of Patrick Stewart and his wife on a red carpet, and Patrick Stewart's totally like staring at her ass. <laughs> and, 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 the, and the meme and the meme is I wish I could find a man that would look at me the way that Patrick Stewart looks at his wife's ass oh. how have I not seen this what yeah yeah he is like super in love with his wife um uh, you know because he had been married before but then he got divorced and and a little known fact uh I don't know uh if you guys remember the episode Captain's Holiday in the third season when he go with Vash and them on that planet and stuff, they actually hooked up after that. Yep. They episode. did. So they dated for a while. And then when Vash didn't come back to TNG, it's because they broke up. But she showed yeah. up on Deep Space Nine, though. Yeah, but, right. Uh, but, yeah, because uh, during the commentaries, you know, on that Blu-ray for that season... I think it was Iris Stephen Bear was like, because it was his episode, right, that he wrote. And he's like, they're watching it, and they're like, they're really going at it. Like, you know, like, they're supposed to be acting kissing, but they're not acting kissing. They're just going all in. And then, <laughs> and then yeah, he, he left his wife. and But now he's with another lady, and he's happy. So, And actually, I think Ian McKellen... I can't remember if he officiated their wedding or if he was his best man. I think so. I think I've seen photos to that. Yeah. But, but yeah, it just seems like a really down-to-earth dude. But, uh, I think maybe just an honorary, like, if I'm going to say Patrick Stewart for everything that he's contributed to, like, the geeky genre, you got to give a shout-out to, like, Jonathan Frakes for the amount of Star Trek he has just done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm He's directed so many episodes in so many different Star Trek series, mm -hmm. and he's directed some Orville episodes. Like, yep. he's just, he gets around, man. Well, he, he directed First Contact and uh, Insurrection. And honestly, like, Nemesis kind, you know, kind of gets shit on a little bit, uh, but all the actors agree it's because of the director that they had, because they brought in this... Um, Stuart Baird to direct this movie mm -hmm. and I think it was like his first movie he had ever directed and he oh, knew wow. no, he knew nothing about Star Trek like literally nothing like apparently he was talking to LeVar Burton 
and he thought LeVar was an alien. Like, he didn't, he didn't even know who he, like, that he was a human that was blind. Ouch. And he's, and he's said in interviews, like, he didn't care to find out about Star Trek. He's like, I just treated it like any other movie. So, like, I know Marina Sirtis was like, he was saying that he was an idiot. So a lot of people in these last few years have said, like, they should have let Jonathan Frakes direct that last movie. The reason why Insurrection did as bad as it did wasn't because of Jonathan Frakes directing. It's because the story was bad. You give him a good story, and, I mean, he, he'll make a good movie. So Yeah. And, and I, I love them all, since you mentioned LeVar Burton. He also seems to be just a gem of a human being, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Reading Rainbow for the win. Yep. Oh, man. I, I got to meet uh, him at a Comic-Con. He was so awesome in person. He was yeah. so... <laughs> gracious and kind like you could just tell like this is a wonderful human being right here mm-hmm. <laughs> he, he was incredible i agree um i met him in i think it was 2011 he was in edmonton and i had it perfectly planned in my head we've already talked about the banana clips i was going to tell him my banana clip story i got up there totally stumble i couldn't get a single word out and he <laughs> was such a calming presence and was like hey do you want to like lean over the table and do a selfie with me this is before selfies were a thing and after that i eventually got to a point where i was able to tell him my banana clip story now that we've talked like he's probably heard the story a million times he still thought it was like it was just great he was just amazing and just this calming presence and yeah, like, just an incredible individual. So what well, was that at there the, was that at the Shaw? I think so. Yeah, I was there. I remember I met him there too. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's crazy. I was probably, I probably stood in line with you. Um, probably, but <laughs> I remember when I, when I met him, he like, he's so fit. Like, like he's, right? yeah. Like, he works out that dude. Mm-hmm. I, I was, uh, yeah, pretty impressed. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, super nice guy. Yeah. Uh, well, Stephanie, who's your favorite Star Trek celebrity? Is it LeVar? No, I'm going to, I'm going to actually take this in a totally opposite direction. Okay. Jeffrey Coombs. Nice. He's everywhere. Oh, <laughs> like for all I know, I'm Jeffrey Coombs right now and I just don't even know it. Um, like you hear his voice and you just you know it's the same actor for the seventh time just in different makeup and different prosthetics but he somehow can just make you forget that every single time i don't know how he actually does it um personally if i had to pick a specific coombs character i gotta say shran from enterprise nice is the best like Anyways, yeah, it's just Jeffrey Coombs. He always blows it out of the water every single time. <laughs> he told me when I met him that his favorite was playing the Ferengi. Um, uh, Liquidator Brunt. Yeah. Yes. Brunt, Brunt SCC was his absolute favorite character to portray because he was just such a dick and he was just so fun. Yep. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, his, his strand was, was excellent. Very good. I wonder if that if he would revise that now to the computer for lower decks. That was a pretty good one too. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, hopefully we'll get to ask him someday. 
Um, so, yeah, I remember it was the penultimate episode of Deep Space Nine. It's funny. I was watching Deep Space Nine when it was originally airing. You know, watch it every week. I totally did not clue in that Jeffrey Combs was Wayun and Brunt. And in that in that episode, he's he's in that episode for both of them. So yeah. So when yeah. the credit pops up, Jeffrey Combs as Wayun and Brunt, like my jaw dropped. I'm like, how did I not realize this until now? But yeah, just amazing, amazing actor. Someone's yeah. got to do an episode with like just a single episode of just him doing all the different characters that he's done across all the different series just put together. Just straight I have no back. idea what it would look like, but I know he'd make it happen. Yeah. That would be wonderful. That would be I, epic. I'd watch that. I'd watch that too. Um. All right. So for me, my favorite Star Trek actor, I mentioned it. It was Cap. It was Patrick Stewart. Um. So yeah, when we went, or when I went to see him in 2014, no, 2012, 2012, it was a gone show at Calgary that year. I stood in line for like three hours and then, um, they literally shut it down and they're like, nope, nope, he's not going to be taking any more pictures. And I was just like devastated. So anyway, I had another photo op. So I was like, well, I'll go get my photo op with. Um, the fringe cast. So I, I, I got into the photo op area and literally like, I'm like three, three away. And then they close that line. And I'm like, like at this point I'm like losing it. Um, and, uh, they asked me to leave. They're like, sir, you need to leave the the photo op area i'm like i'm not leaving until like you know i've stood in line for now four hours i am not leaving without a photo with somebody and i showed him my tickets for patrick stewart and 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 uh the fringe uh couple and they're like okay well we'll we'll see what we can do so somebody actually went and talked to patrick stewart and said like there's a bunch of people that didn't get to have a picture with you so he's like, well, let's let's keep going. Uh, I can keep going. So he stayed there for like another hour or two, and I got my picture with him. Wow, that's yeah, awesome. Like he didn't have to do it, but he did. Um, and then, yeah, so, you know, I don't know if, if you ladies have ever had a photo op, but, you, you know, they kind of heard you in. You, you come around this corner and you see him while, some, while he's getting his picture taken with somebody else, and then they get heard it off and then you get pushed forward and you go stand by them so i stood by him and they took her picture so i turned to him i said thank you very much and i'm going to leave and he looks right at me and he says well done in the picard voice oh, nice. and, and then i just like stood there like just in shock and then finally the security guy's like sir you have to leave now so, <laughs> so i did so i did but, you know, just I was just blown away with that. Uh, Ragnar, who's your favorite Star Trek actor or actress? I mean, that's a really tough question because Star Trek has had so many amazing actors and actresses mm. over mm. the years. Uh, especially the um, kind of like, you know, TNG, DS9, Voyager era. They They were known for casting 
really strong actors and actresses. So that's that's a really tough question. Um, yeah, I I don't think I could really pick one because there's just there's just so many that I love. Like I think if you said who's your favorite doctor, I could come up with an answer, and who's your favorite captain, but who's your just favorite overall is really tough. So I'm I'm gonna just throw out a shout out to uh, um, probably Robert O'Reilly who played Gowron mm-hmm. because he was he. Every time Gowron showed up, even though you hated that little bastard, you were excited to see him. And, and, and nowadays, he's still very much alive in pop culture because he's in so many memes. Almost every week I see a meme involving Gowron somehow or other. Um, and when I met him at uh, Vulcan, yeah, he's old. Yeah, he's fat. Doesn't look anything like Gowron without his makeup on. Except for his eyes. He still has crazy, intense Gowron eyes. Those are his real eyes. Those yep. are not made up. That That's what he is like. Um, and then, but, I mean, they've had so many amazing actors and actresses. It's very hard to, to pick anyone. So, so I'll just throw out a shout-out to him. Yeah. There's, like... You could go on and on, like, Nichelle Nichols. Like, there's just so many oh. amazing people that have... Yeah. And she, I'm, I got to meet her too, and she was lovely. Oh, yeah. She was, she was sitting at her booth. It was the end of the day. She looked exhausted, but she was determined. Like she, you know, she was signing autographs till 5 p.m. and she wasn't going to leave till it was 5 p.m. And she was drinking tea with an actual china teacup. And yeah. and I came up, and you know, she said hello, dear. And then you know, we chatted for a couple minutes, and then she signed my thing. And she was just just an absolute delight. Mm-hmm. It was, was like Calgary, it was like being somebody's sweet old grandma. Like she was just oh. so wonderful. Yeah. Uh, it was actually in Halifax at the really? out there. Yeah, and I, I, I met her in Calgary, and it must have been around 2010, 2012, somewhere in there. Yeah, and yeah. yeah so I probably had the exact same teacup, and yeah, I just remember her hand yeah. like shaking as she. Oh yeah, her hand was shaking like crazy. Yeah, yeah, and there was nothing was going to stop her until she had seen everybody. Yeah. Like she was just amazing. Yeah, and I, I I just admired I admired that about her. Um and yeah, I had I had just left my booth to go to the washroom and I happened to notice that there was nobody in line for her and I was like, Well, I'm doing that. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Star Trek just has so many awesome people involved with this. I thought that was when you, you know, ask me the question, like, oh, this is difficult. Like, no, it's not. There's so many. It's difficult limiting how many names you throw out there. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, we can can go another round, because this is pretty much the end end of the podcast anyway, but um, uh, you're talking about Nichelle Nichols. Yeah, I... Was it 2016? She was in Edmonton, and I met her there. Yeah, sweet, sweet lady. Another uh, sweet couple that I got to meet in Edmonton was George Takai and his husband Brad. Um, oh, very so, cool! Yeah, George Takai, like just meeting right. him was fascinating, and because he was the lady in front of me works with um, uh, like an old folks home and like the dementia wing, so she actually works mm-hmm. with uh, people that like Japanese people that were. 
uh, in internment camps during World War II. So, oh, wow. and, and he had been in one when he was a kid. So, they, you know, she was talking about it and stuff like that. So I got to listen to the conversation and kind of chime in a couple times. But one thing that was really cool is when we were waiting in line, because um, George is sitting at the table, you know, signing autographs and stuff, um, his husband, Brad, actually came and met everybody in the line, shook everyone's hand, thanked us all for coming to meet George. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, super That's nice. Awesome. Yeah, super nice guy. But by the time I got to, around to do my my autograph because one of the picture options is uh, a picture of them together so i actually got george and brad to sign my for my autograph so yeah that, so that was super That's cool super cool yeah yeah awesome awesome people um yeah like i've, I've met quite a few celebrities uh, in star trek but the i i guess the, the one that I liked the least, I'll throw that one out there, uh, and maybe she was just having a bad day, but, I, but I've heard that she's had other bad days with other people. Um, and that's Marina Sirtis as Counselor Troy. Really? Yeah. Oh, no, she, when I met her, she was incredible. Yeah, she might have been having a bad day. So, yeah. So, okay, so I'll, I'll set it up. So, I've actually met her twice. She was actually the first Star Trek celebrity, first celeb, real Hollywood celebrity I ever met in my life. It was back in the fall of 92. She came to Edmonton for the Star Trek convention. That was the first Star Trek convention I ever went to. I remember just being blown away. I remember being in line, getting my picture with, you know, her, her autograph. And I just remember her being so beautiful. I, I don't even think I said anything to her because I was like in shock. <laughs> and, and and awe at her beauty. Um, and then fast forward to 2012, so, you know, 20 years later. Um, again, I'm at, it's in Calgary this time. I'm in line. And the way they worked it that year is they would have the price for the autograph at the front of the line. So you knew to get your cash out. And that was also the year in Calgary when they oversold the convention. So you couldn't physically leave the building. Because if you left the building, ah, they, they wouldn't yeah. let you back in. Oh. So at this point, I had like two big bags and a backpack full of stuff, you know, things that I bought, and I'm just carrying it around because I can't run it out to my car like I planned mm -hmm. because the fire marshals won't let me back in. So anyway, I see that, for some reason, because everyone else was charging $35 an autograph, but she was charging 30 which I thought was weird, but okay, maybe she's just charging cheaper, you know? So I put my bags down, got my wallet out, got my $30 out so I could put it in my pocket, so I could put my wallet away and put everything back away, get everything back in my hand so I could carry it forward as I make my way up the line. So I get up to the table... And her handler is handling the pictures, and I hand her the $30, and I'm like, I'll take that picture. And she's like, uh, no. I'm like, what What do you mean? She's like, uh, it's $5. I'm like, uh, okay, but the the sign said 30 
And she's like, well, that's just for the autograph. You have to pay five for the sign. Uh, 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 so I'm like, uh, so all the other... Word. So all the other Trek actors just charged a flat rate of 35 so if you used one of their pictures or if you brought something of your own to sign, it didn't matter. But she decided to be different. So then I got to put all my bags down. I got to fish out my wallet, get my other $5 out. Meanwhile, the guy ahead of me is gone. So Marina Sirtis is sitting there staring at me. And then I, I, I get the $5 out and she signs it and... I hadn't even left yet. She stands up and she's like, okay, this is just a reminder for everybody in line to have your money ready uh, so you're not making other people wait. And like she gave me like this dirty look. And, Ooh, and I'm like, ouch. oh. <laughs> yeah. I felt like saying something, but I didn't. Um, so I left. Um yeah. But, uh, yeah, uh, but I've heard good things about her, but I've also heard bad things about her. So that, that was my worst interaction with a Star Trek celebrity. Yeah, no kidding. Ouch. I, I do have a, it, it's not a bad interaction. It's just an awkward one. Um, yeah. So I'll share this one. Um, so d this was also the, uh, the same convention. Denise Crosby was there. And when I was a kid, I had a big crush on Denise Crosby. She was my favorite out of the Star Trek cast in those early seasons when she was there. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the episode The Naked Now, when she's wearing that top. Oh, that one! She yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the the, the top with the, the <laughs> under boob. And I'd never seen that before. Like, I'd, I'd never seen un under boob. <laughs> I'm like, how is this happening? And I and and she's seducing Data, and Data's going for it. And I'm I like, so anyway, I had a big crush on her after that. Um, so anyway, Justifiable. yeah. So anyway, years later, so this is 2012. Um, my mom, uh, when she's talking to people, like say if she's talking to Stephanie. She'll she'll probably call Stephanie Darlin. How are you doing, Darlin? Darlin, Darlin, mm -hmm. Darlin. She says that, right? Right. So anyway, I'm in line to get my autograph with Denise Crosby, and I step, you know, and I pick I pick that picture from the Naked Now because that was one of the options. I'm like, that is the pic. That's the scene that I <laughs> fell in love with her. I get over to to get her to sign it, and she looks at me and says, "How's it going, Darlin?" And <laughs> She she said it with her voice, but I heard my mom's voice in my head. So my childhood crush turned into my mom in a metaphoric way. And yeah, that. I'm not just childhood crush. Side under. Yeah, like that. Just oh my god. Uh, that that broke that. So horrible. <laughs> so I I was like I don't know eight or nine when I first seen that, so that broke little Chris's heart. But but it totally makes yeah. sense. Like she's my mom's age, you know. It makes sense that she would talk like my mom. But 
Right. So. Anyway. That's good. Uh, does anyone oh else gosh. have any humiliating Star Trek stories? Or, or anything? Any of them, so. I don't know about humiliating, but I found, um, I don't even remember, it was the Calgary Comic Con, I think the same one that I met Michelle Nichols, um, when I went to go meet William Shatner, like, I was so excited, and, you know, just thought it was going to be this, I don't know, maybe I just built it up in my head, but mm-hmm. when we saw him, it was almost like, I kind of afterwards, I compared it to meeting the Pope because you just kind of, like you were saying, you got shuffled in, yep. you posed for the picture, and then you got shuffled out. Yep. And then I think after that, he was in Edmonton doing a panel talk with Alan Cross. So got tickets with my parents, was super excited. We went, and Alan Cross starts asking him about Star Trek, and he goes, yep, it was this one series from... 1966 to 1969 or whatever it was. And, you yeah. know, we did three seasons and that was it. Didn't say another word. I'm like, I'm never, what? Like, this is so awkward. Like, I'm never going to hear Shatter talk about Star Trek in person. Like, it was just, yeah, so I don't know if it was, maybe awkward's not the right word, but. Hmm. Yeah. Disappointing, for sure. Yeah, it's, it still leaves me wanting a little bit to say that. Like, I know you've got more to say. Like, why don't you want to talk about it? Anyways, so well, that's my, my yeah. little, little, my childhood hopes and dreams crushed a little bit. <laughs> well, I think with Shatner, because he's got so many of his own projects on the go, I think he gets annoyed sometimes when people just want to talk about Star Trek and not like yes. his books that he's writing or his horse foundation or his horses or, or how, yeah. or how he wanted to talk about his horses yeah hmm? yeah yeah i mean he did win emmys for for boston legal um and he was great in boston oh yeah he was fantastic he's still a good actor like <laughs> you know but yeah i yeah yeah, yeah. I, i've heard he's a bit of a grump like there there there's a reason why most of the original series cast didn't care for him. Mm-hmm. But I don't yeah. um, um, oh. It's not particularly funny or humiliating, but when I met um, Avery Brooks, he was incredible in person. And um, first off, he shook my hand, and his, like, I'm a bigger guy. Mm-hmm. His hand was so big that mine just completely disappeared in his. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, it was like when I shake a baby's hand. Yep. Um, and he was very intense. Um, and you could tell that he is a very intense person, mm-hmm. which probably means if you spent a lot of time with him, you'd, you'd probably perceive him as difficult. But in short bursts, it makes him just incredible. <laughs> and, uh, I was telling him about how, you know, I watched DS9 as a little boy when it was on TV for the first original airing. And I was telling him about how, you know, we had to adjust the rabbit ears on the TV to get the reception good. Mm. And he was he was taken aback by that. And he, he said, like, come on, man, the show is old, but it's not <laughs> that old. And I was like, no, that, that's how we watched it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes you'd have to, like, move your chair to be in a certain part of the room because you'd get better reception. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, 
for the rest of our conversation, he referred to me as my friend Rabbit Ears. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and I, I thought he was actually going to sign the autograph that way. He did, but I actually thought he was gonna. He and that would have been awesome. Said that three or four times, and uh, yeah, he was he was just fascinating. And he probably is my favorite uh, Star Trek captain. Um, so so getting to meet him was incredible, and it it was at a Comic Con where he didn't have a very big lineup, so I was able to talk to him for a while. Nice. And uh, it's it's maybe for the. The actors, it's disappointing if that they don't have a big lineup. I'm not sure. But for me as a fan, it was awesome because it meant I got to interact with him for longer without, you know, feeling that pressure of everyone behind me staring at me. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, he, he was awesome. And, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, never, I'll never forget him making fun of me for watching TV with rabbit ears. But yeah. that's how we did it back then. So... Well, speaking of big dudes, um, Vulcan, I met Tony Todd, who played yeah. Ker, uh, Worf's brother Kern, and he also played mm-hmm. Jake Sisko in the future in the, in the Visitor episode, which I, I just I just I just watched an episode of the Orville where he plays a Mocklin. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But the but the Visitor, like I forgot how emotionally impacting that episode is like man it's oh, amazing mm-hmm. gut um, punch man just a gut yep. punch but when i but when i got to meet him at um uh vulcan yeah when he shook my hand it was like a big shake like it felt like you know that meme with with schwarzenegger and uh what's his name from the rocky movies uh shaking hands like when they lock arms with their oh, with, yeah. with their big pecs, that's what it felt like for me and him, because we and we actually kind of have that pose. And like the photographer took a picture because he was like just getting his camera set up, and I'm like, no, I want that picture. I don't like I don't want a picture of me standing next to him. I want us with our arms locked like that. <laughs> and 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 it's yeah, one of my favorite pictures. And yeah, super nice dude. Like yeah, Tony Todd's really awesome guy. I have a great Tony Todd story. Um, he was at HorrorCon in Calgary because, of course, he's been in Candyman. He's like Candyman, right? <laughs> Which he's probably the most famous for. Yeah. And so they they were screening the 1990 remake of Night of the Living Dead, in which he was the main star. Mm. And so part of the HorrorCon festival was they were showing the movie in a theater. And so me and my friends were there watching it, and he sat right behind us. And my two of my friends were unaware that he had sat down behind us. And my my one friend was saying to my other friend, you know, I get really scared in these movies, and, like, I'm probably going to grab your arm, and, like, I apologize <laughs> if I hurt you. <laughs> and, and Tony Todd overheard her saying that. And he leaned in over the seat behind her, and he put his giant hands on her shoulders, and he went, boo. And she jumped like a foot out of her chair, and she just shrieked. Oh, it was fantastic. That's and so, so then good. for the rest of the movie, like, he would, he would, you know, make jokes and tell us funny little anecdotes about scenes as they were happening. And... Uh, we were just so lucky that he just happened to be sitting behind us. But yeah, he was a uh, he was a real character, very very funny man. Yeah, that's fun. <laughs> Excellent. 
Um, all right. Well, um, did anyone else have anything they want to share? Or any other? What about? Um, let's do. A, let's just do one round here. <laughs> if you could meet any one Star Trek actor or actress, living or dead, because this is a fantasy, and sit down and have a cup of coffee with them, who would you pick? Any living or dead? Yeah, yeah, because this is, you know, probably never going to happen. Does it have to be an actor or just someone associated with Star Trek? Oh, man, if you'd rather sit down with uh, with Gene Roddenberry himself, you you could say that. Absolutely. Honestly, uh, well, I'll, I'll go first. It's not Gene Roddenberry that I would want to sit down with. It's Gene Kuhn. Uh, Gene Kuhn is, uh, he was the show, run- he took over show running the original series halfway through season one, and he ran it for most of season two. He's actually the okay. guy that they credit for creating the Klingons. Ah. So I would love to, to, to um, you know, bend his ear and you know, just kind of learn what his contributions were, uh, because yeah, like with him being a showrunner, he didn't necessarily write everything, but he may have contributed to things that he doesn't get credit for, because he died unfortunately in 1972, I believe. So he's never been interviewed. He's never. Like, his contributions are kind of unknown. So, I, I, I would love to meet him and find out, like, what what his contributions were. I, um, that reminded me, Chris, I, I met the guy, I'd have to Google it to see what his name is, but I met the guy who wrote the original episode, The Trouble with Tribbles. David Gerald. Cool. Yeah, that sounds bright. Yep. And I, I actually have an autographed copy of the script from him. And yep. uh, sometimes it is so fascinating to meet the people behind the scenes like that. Mm-hmm. Because they, they talk about the show from a completely different point of view than the actors or the fans do. And he, you know, he had all kinds of insights into Star Trek. Um, it was fascinating. Well, and so, and like yeah. I, I, I like I mentioned earlier in the episode, he was actually hired by Gene Roddenberry to develop the Bible for TNG. So again, I think he, like Roddenberry, got a lot of the credit for it. But I think David Gerald actually created some of those characters that yeah yeah Roddenberry didn't bring to the table because yeah. like Riker and Troy are based off of the characters Decker and Ilea from the motion picture. Um. And then Data's based on Zahn, another character that was supposed to be in the spinoff series that never happened in the 70s. But, yep. like, but like Worf and Yar and Troy and Jordy, like I kind of think that David Gerald may have either directly created those characters or had a big hand in it. Hmm. So, I, I, yeah, he's another guy that I would love to talk with. And he's still around, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah um, well, it was it was really cool getting to meet him. Yeah, yeah, that is really <clears> cool. <throat> uh, Ray, uh, who would you like to have coffee with? So I'm gonna have a much more simplistic and shallow answer for this. <laughs> Not coffee. Earl Grey, hot. 
Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like Patrick Stewart would be amazing to have afternoon tea with. I, he, I bet he's so charismatic and so yeah. funny and yet still so intelligent that, he, yeah, it would just be fascinating. And and he does actually drink Earl Grey. Like, um, oh, but he's so happy. Well, he's yeah. British, of course. Well, that that's a mis, myth, a misconception. There are some Brits that don't like tea. I actually worked well, with one guy who was a Brit. There's he, some Canadians that don't like hockey, but not that many. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that is also a good comparison. Yes. Yeah, three of us hold up our hands. But um, when Patrick Stewart was uh, in Calgary in 2012, he was being interviewed by Innerspace at the time. And I remember um, Cynthia Lloyd, she was the, the one interviewing him. And the whole time he's being interviewed, he's holding a cup, like a coffee cup. And she said, believe it or not, there was that was Earl Grey in that cup the whole time. That just makes me so happy. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit of like the world as it should be. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And there's also that meme, you know, like this is, you know, before cocaine after cocaine before um alcohol after alcohol uh before earl gray tea and after earl gray tea and it's like patrick stewart and he doesn't age doesn't change but i mean it's only in the last two maybe two maybe five years that he's finally started to age at all well, the guy's yeah. in his in his eighties. Like, I mean, you I know, know. And he looks incredible. Yeah, he could have done Picard as a prequel, and he'd be stretching it, but not by that. <laughs> well, they did do better. Call Saul as a prequel, and yeah. and it's like yeah. every one of those guys looked older than they did in Breaking Bad. But the, yeah, the worst one was Mike, the guy who played Mike. He was the hardest to buy. Yeah, because he was a, he was older in Breaking Bad. So yeah, yeah, he was already older. But, uh, but he fantastic actor. But, oh yeah. But there's but, a few few scenes in particular in Better Call Saul where you're like, I know this is, you know, we got to stretch our imagination here because he he looks old there. Yeah. But, but uh, Stephanie, uh, is there anyone that you would like to have coffee or tea with? Or tea oh with? well, I have a massive coffee problem, so I would say coffee with everybody. But... <laughs> um no honestly think just thinking about this a little bit Michelle Brett like I think she did so much across Mm -hmm. so many things I'm sure if you sat her down for coffee oh there would be stories to tell like I just I I would would deliver them in a really saucy gossipy (sighs) way Well, yeah. and it's like the older I get, I like, I would just love to be as carefree as Loxana when I'm in the <laughs> Like, this is my goal in life. <laughs> like, yeah. 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 I mean, she was right there from the beginning. You know, she was, yeah. she, you know, she was working for Roddenberry before he even started on Star Trek in the 60s. Yeah. And then she was with him as the other woman for a few years before you know when he was married and then they got married and yeah very interesting um their son rod did a documentary i think it was on netflix or maybe it's on tubi 
if you want to check that out, uh, where he's oh, talking about, yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. Like, cause he's talking about his dad because, you know, he, and it's a truthful accounting of his dad. Cause Gene Roddenberry is a womanizer and, you mm-hmm. know, um, you know, he was womanizing with Majel and then when he was with Majel, he was womanizing with other women and anyway, and he managed to get some interviews with his, with his mom before she passed away. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, it, it, it was good. It, like, I've probably seen that like 10 years ago now, but uh, it's still out there. It's definitely worth mm-hmm. a watch. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think we can call this a podcast episode. Uh, but what we do on this network is we go around... And we play a little game of that's called "Where Can We Find You on the Internet?" Um, so Ragnar, where can we find you, sir? Uh, well, I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram as Ragnar the Trader. Um, of course, I have a website too, RagnarTheTrader.com, and uh, I'm headed off to Edmonton this weekend for the Geeky Gift Market at the Kingsway Aviation Museum. Oh. This is my my last uh, like kind of pop culturey fun show of the year. Uh, I, I, after this, I have craft shows, which are yeah, you know, still good shows, but they're full of normal people, and you don't have a lot of conversations <laughs> about Star Trek or Star yeah. Wars or so, you know so, anything anything interesting. <laughs> so that's this weekend. It's Saturday and Sunday. Yeah, Saturday and Sunday at the Aviation Museum. Uh, yeah, admission is by donation to the food bank. Excellent. Well, I might I might see you there. Um, my oh, wife, you're gonna be in town? Well, I I actually have no plans this weekend, so it's like wow. oh maybe maybe we'll do a trip to to Edmonton. Right on. Yeah, well, check yeah. it out. I, I can't. I, I can't. Edmonton on Saturday. Let's go for dinner or something. Yeah, for sure. I can't make any promises because yeah, you know oh, that yeah. they can completely change in 24 hours, but. Uh, yeah, no, I, I didn't even realize that was happening, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right on, man. Um, as for myself, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, do we still call it Twitter, or is it just called X? X Twitter? X. Yeah. I'm I'm on those at, uh, at ChrisLock1701. Uh, I have several groups on Facebook. Uh, we got the Pop Culture Pub podcast group, so if you're, if if you're a listener of this network, be sure to check that out. Uh, we do have a Trek 1701 group on Facebook as well. Uh, so be sure to check that out. Um, and I manage other groups on Facebook. Um, and then next week we'll have a new, or I guess this, because at the time we're recording this, it's actually going to be released next week. And I'm also going to be releasing another episode possibly next week of the Pop Culture Pub. So we'll see how that goes. But, uh, yeah, you can find me here at the Pop Culture Pub Podcast Network. Uh, Ray, where can we find you? I don't actually have much in the way of public profiles. So that's I okay. am going to be just the, uh, yeah, like hollow ghost that pops in on various decks that aren't actually yeah, tracked no, down. Not a problem. Not a problem. Uh, Stephanie, where can we find you? Oh, you can find me nowhere and everywhere. I've got, oh gosh, all sorts of irons in the fire, but I actually kind of limit where I am online. Um, 
as I said, my coffee problem, thanks Janeway, has manifested itself. Um, so with that, the easiest place to find me is actually on Facebook. If you look up the Bean Counter Edmonton's Coffee Connection, or just send me an email at beancounteryag at gmail.com and you can find me. Bean Counter. Yeah, it was actually the Bean Counter. The bean counter? It is the bean counter, yes. So okay. I have kind of brought together a lot of Edmonton's coffee roasters, and I'm spending my weekend delivering 116 coffee advent calendars to all the good boys and girls in Edmonton. Oh, wow. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, yes. Yeah, I was looking at, at your pictures and stuff, and now I'm, like, inspired to, like, because I've, I've had a Keurig now for, like, 10 years, but I, I think I'm going to... I'm going to keep my Keurig, but I also want to have, like, a regular coffee maker uh, so I can have tried different coffees because I love coffee. Um, well, if you're driving into the city, you're probably going to drive past at least six different local roasters, so I can give you some recommendations and probably, like, a Google map on just where to stop excellent. on your way in. So there you go. <laughs> Absolutely. That's fantastic. Um, and there's, yeah, there's a YouTuber I watch. Um he he does uh, true crime documentaries. He's called um, Coffee House Crime, and he actually is starting to sell his own coffee. So I was like, oh, you know, that was another thing that got me thinking. Maybe I should get back to, you know, dripping coffee and and doing that. That's fun. I like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, me too. But uh, all right. Well, I think we can call this an episode. So, mm -hmm. on behalf of myself, Chris Lockhart. I was joined this evening by Ragnar. I was joined by uh, Ray. Uh, how do you say your last name? Uh, Crocious. Crocious. Ray Crocious. And yeah, Ray. and Stephanie Madrick. Is that right? Madrick. Madrick. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Um, so we were all joined together. This was the initial episode of Trek One Seven Zero One: The Beta Crew. Thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to us, and we will be back again in the not-too-distant future. <laughs>